0: Real Life Radio is sponsored by River City Community Church.
1: Grace and peace to you and welcome to Radio for Real Life with Sean Azaro, the pastor of River City Community Church in San Antonio, Texas. Now this is a church that helps people just like you find the real life you were created for and find it to the full. That's what Jesus promised in John 10.10. And today we continue in a series called A Church for Real Life. And a metaphor for the Christian life is the maturing of an infant to an adult. But what are the keys to Christian maturity? How do we be intentional to grow in our faith so that we become people God designed us to be? And today it's part two of a message called Grow Up. Let's join Pastor Sean with some encouragement for you. It's time for Radio for Real Life.
2: Paul said in Romans chapter 12, verse 2, he said, Do not be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by what? The renewing of your minds. The renewing of your minds. It transforms you. One of the things that counseling does, counseling, people go to counseling, and I'm not any, in any way anti-counseling. I think great, biblically-centered Christian counseling is a fantastic gift. But what it deals with often, people go because of outcomes. Okay, they say, I'm, this is happening in my life, and it's not working. This is happening, and it's, it's not going well. Well, good counseling will always trace it back to behaviors, but then trace those back to beliefs. You, you have no idea how much of what you're experiencing in life, can be rooted into beliefs. Wrong beliefs are one of the things that we deal with over and over and over again if we, when we're doing biblical guidance counsel. When we're just talking with someone and when they're saying, this has happened in my life and it's not working and in my marriage it's not working and my finances it's not working. And, and when you trace it back to, well, then what's, what's not working? And they tell you what's happening. And the objective observer goes, well, you're doing this. this is Why are you doing that? You know that that's not... Like that's what's hurting you, right? Why are you doing it? Well, I don't know. Well, tell and you probe a little more, it's going to come back to a belief. Wrong beliefs are the root of so many painful circumstances that we're experiencing right now. And conversely, right beliefs when you can actually change what you believe, because your behaviors always flow out of your beliefs. Always. Okay? If you say I believe this, but your behavior is different, what it means is you don't really believe it. You want to believe it, it's an aspirational belief, but it's not really a belief. Okay? Cuz your behavior always stems from true beliefs. It's just the way it, it works. So right beliefs actually are transformative, but Paul is peeling back one more layer. He's saying, he's saying before belief there is thought. It's what you think about. You begin to direct your mind and you begin to direct your belief. There's a serious connection between thought, belief, behavior, and outcomes taking notes. I want you to just take a moment. Just write this down. Just write this down real quickly. Thoughts become beliefs. Thoughts become beliefs. So many times you have these beliefs that you don't even, you're not even aware of because they're just from way back. And it was a thought that got lodged in your will and your spirit. And it became a belief. And if you actually looked at it analytically, you go, well, I, I can see how that's not true, but I kind of believe it. Thoughts become beliefs. Beliefs become behaviors. Beliefs translate to behaviors, So thoughts become beliefs. Belief becomes behaviors. And then lastly, behaviors produce outcomes. Behaviors produce outcomes. So what we think and how we think matters because it shapes our beliefs, which shapes our behaviors, which always shapes the outcomes. What we think and how we think matters. And, and, and folks, I just want to, I don't want to get on a soapbox here, but man, we are living in a day where we are watching the extinction of thought. A lot of people don't want to think man they want everything in 144 characters they want a soundbite a lot of people come to me and want to th- talk about something you know what is what what is the what should we think about this say well what's the bible say i don't know find out and tell me oh that's so hard can't you just tell me what to think no i'm not going to tell you what to think Thinking is a really important process. So you come back. Well, the Bible says this. Well, what would that look like? Oh, see, you're asking questions. I came for answers. You're giving me questions. Because we need to know how to think. Beware letting others do our thinking for us. We live in a culture that lets others do our thinking for us. Whether it's media filtering the message. Politicians, they say the crazy things and do the crazy things because they know that once the news cycle rotates over and at three months, six months, nobody's going to remember anyway and we're just kind of going to believe whatever they feed us or tell us at the moment. That is ridiculous. It's insulting. How about we stop? How about we become thinkers? See, there's this wrong notion, I think, for sometimes people of faith that faith is contrary to thought. That is absolutely wrong. Faith actually is something real. Faith is a type of guided thought based on the reality of God's presence, based on a true belief in who He is, and then as we step out in obedience to Him and His his power and His presence works in our lives, our faith is built, and it literally becomes something that's built on experience with God. It is not contrary to intellect or to thought. We need to be people of deep thought, of consistent thought. In fact, Matthew twenty two thirty seven. Jesus replied, "Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your what? Your mind. With all your mind. Do not shut our minds off because we are people of faith. That has never been the tradition of people of faith. That is not what our founder Jesus Christ advocated. And I want to challenge us. We need to be people who learn to think like Jesus. That's a part of maturity. I want to challenge you to a couple of things. Daily time of prayer and the Word. You want to bathe your mind in the Word of God and in prayer." This, I talked to you about it a lot. Just want to say, it's something we need to do every single day. <clears throat> if you don't know how to get in the Word, you don't know how to have a quiet time. Go to reallife.org. We have a daily Bible reading plan. We have this program called Reap. Very simple: read, examine, apply, and pray. If you go, yeah, but I've never done that before. We have a deal called Bible Virtuosity that Pastor Mike did. Little like three-minute videos each day to walk you through, give you some basics up front, and then walk you through the Book of Luke, a chapter a day helping you learn how to draw truth from the scripture. This will rock your world. It'll change you as you become a person of the word. Person of prayer. Talk to him about the stuff that you're wrestling with, the stuff in our lives. We have a whole ministry here, River City University. Bible classes, all different kinds. Faith, foundations of faith classes designed to help you understand biblically and intellectually what we believe. And then help that become a part of your life and help you begin to live that out. Our community groups encourage us in that. Regular worship participation, obviously. We want to think different because healthy Christians grow up and become more like Jesus. Uh, second thing, Christian, uh, Christ-like maturity changes what we do. Not only does it change how we think, but as we grow, it changes our behavior. Philippians 4 9, we just read it. Remember what he said? Think this way and then says, whatever you've learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice and the God of peace will be with you. I just want to say, that's one of those things that you have got to understand. Jesus in the Great Commission did not say, teach them all I commanded you. Go make disciples, baptizing them. Teaching them all I command you. He didn't say that. He said, teaching them to observe all I command you. Teaching them to obey. The power of the Word of God is when we obey the Word of God. This is so true. Thought and belief are always reflected in behavior. It is futile for us to... (laughs) honestly, for me to get up here and teach if we're never going to do anything about what we hear. And I want to be careful here, but, but I want you to understand. I think it's futile for us to study the Word if we have no intention about doing anything about it. I really do. In fact, that's what James wrote in his epistle. James 1, beginning at verse 22, but be doers of the Word and not hearers only. Deceiving yourselves. If you do that, you're just deceiving yourself. For if anyone's a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. For he looks at himself, goes away at once, and forgets what he was like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. His, his point is, you don't look at the, in the mirror just to admire yourself, okay? I, I mean, maybe some of us do. <laughs> you're obviously better looking than I am if you're doing that, okay? Some of us look in the mirror, and it's somewhat depressing, Right? But we're looking in the mirror for a reason, okay? Oh, do I need to comb my hair? Oh, I need to cut my hair. Oh, look at that. You know, oh God, I got some smudges on me. What the heck is that all about? And what he's saying is you look in the mirror, do a self-analysis. and What good is it if you don't do something about it? You just wasted your time looking in the mirror. He's saying the word of God is like a mirror for our soul, for our spirit, for our maturity. So at some point, you have to put into practice the things that you have learned. Obedience is where the power of God is released. I say it to you over and over again, but it's worth saying. Discipleship really can be boiled down to listen to God's voice, do what he says. Great things will happen. Listen for God's voice through his word, through prayer, and then do what he says and watch and see what happens. Now, I want to give you real quick some disciplines to help you grow because there are some things you can do that will put you in the way of God's voice. And put you in the way of spiritual growth. Real quickly, four disciplines. Number one, the spiritual discipline of communion. And I'm not talking about the Lord's Supper. I'm talking about a daily quiet time with the Lord. Okay, I've already just talked to you about that. So just say, that discipline, jot these down in your notes, the spiritual discipline of communion, spending time with the Lord daily, communing with Him, praying, listening for His voice through the Word, just being in relationship with Him. That is a powerful discipline that will change your life.
1: And let's take a quick minute to remind you, you're listening to Radio for Real Life with Sean Azaro, the pastor of River City Community Church in this message called Grow Up, which is available right now on the sermon page in a series called A Church for Real Life at reallife.org. There you can even watch a video podcast of this message and series. And if you're looking for a new church home, here's your invitation from Pastor Sean.
2: Do you ever look at your life and feel like you were made for something more? Jesus made a simple statement. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I came to give you abundant life, River City is located a mile and a half outside of Loop 1604 on Lookout Road across from Matama Park. Service times are Saturday at 5 p.m. and Sunday at 9.30 and 11.15 a.m. River City is a church for real life, so our home on the web is reallife.org. To find out more, visit us online at reallife.org. God created you for something very special. Come find out more at River City Community Church.
1: And now the conclusion to the message, Grow Up. This is Radio for Real Life.
2: Second, the relational discipline of community. Being in community with other people. Going to church is a wonderful start. Okay? But I, you know, we have what we call community groups. Getting in with a smaller group of people who will help you grow. That, that commitment. The folks who made a commitment to membership today, they've all been challenged to be in a community group and to begin to be in community with a group of people who will help you grow and walk together in unity. Third, the financial discipline of stewardship. The financial discipline of stewardship, and some of you are like, what? That's... Where's that one coming? I just want to say to you um, the Bible talks a whole lot about money, and it's for a reason. There's a fallacy that says the way to a man's heart is through his stomach. It's just not true, it's through his wallet, and everybody knows it. It's true. This is why the Bible talks so much about money. So when I talk about relational the, or the financial discipline of stewardship, I'm talking about something the scripture calls the tithe. The tithe is one of those things that people get all weird about. Okay, because, oh, God, the church wants my money. Oh, here it goes. I just want to say more people are robbed from an incredible faith-building experience because they can't get a handle out of this and because they are just hanging on to money and they're missing one of the reasons the Bible talks so much about stewardship and talks so much about money. I'm talking about the principle of the tithe. The tithe is a principle that says you give 10% of your earnings. It says it's all God's, all belongs to him. But 10%, a discipline of giving 10% to the Christian ministry that I'm a part of for the kingdom work that God's called us to do together. That's what the tithe is. And some people say, well, that's Old Testament. They they would be wrong. They would be wrong. Well, it was the law. God abolished it. It was just, just Moses. No, it was not. Abraham tithed before Moses. Moses reinforced the tithe. Jesus had every opportunity to eliminate the tithe. He didn't. He reinforced it. The apostle Paul taught the tithe. He didn't use the phrase, but he taught proportionate giving on the first day of the week when you gather together. According to one's income, he taught this principle of the tithe. It is a biblical idea. And the people go, well, what's the point, okay? Is it just to fund the church? I want to say to you, yes, we're supposed to fund the mission. And we'll talk about that in a moment. But there's something that happens in us. There is something that can't happen anywhere. The tithe is a way that God has given us to build our faith. Jesus made a statement in Matthew chapter 6. He says, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And I've told you before, if I, said, I were saying that, I would have said it different. Because we would say, well, where your heart is, that's where your treasure is going to be. And Jesus is not talking about a reflection of your heart. He's talking about how to train your heart. He was talking about financial trust, financial stewardship, as a way to train your heart. Because we have a heart problem. We don't believe in him. We can talk about belief, but fundamentally, when it comes down to it, this is a challenge. Faith is one of the biggest signs of maturity. And this is an area where so many Christians struggle. I would obey God, but I just, I'm afraid. This financial stewardship piece is the, every time you're paid, whether it's weekly, whether it's bi-weekly, however you get paid, it is an assault. Every time you're paid on your fear. see, the Bible promises, God says in the book of Malachi. He says, I want you to tithe. He says, you've been stealing from me by taking the tithe. And he says, if you will tithe, trust me in this. He says, I'm going to pour out so much blessing. He said, I will open the windows of heaven so that you have too much to contain. You know what he's saying? He's saying, if you will tithe, I will show you how I can do more off of 90% than you can do off of 100%. That's what he's saying. I will do more. I will bless you more off of 90% than you can do off of 100%. And do you understand why this is such an effective faith builder? Because it's math. It's like a science experiment. You literally can measure the goodness of God. Because I know, as well as you, 100% is more than 90 every time, right? 100% is more. There's no way around it. I have challenged. I can't tell you how many people I've challenged. I want to challenge you to become a person who operates in this principle because so many people are missing it you want to you want to really have an interesting talk find someone who tithes and ask them to tell you about it okay you won't be able to shut them up they'll just start they'll start having church like okay all right i get it you so you're pro tithe right because seriously and it's not just a money thing it is a faith thing when i really learned that god says i will do more off the 90 percent than you could do off the 100 do you do you realize what that means mathematically, I've just proved the goodness and the miraculous power of God in my life. When you try tithing, try it for three months, and you begin to see God do, and you, you kind of look and go, I, I, this is impossible, but we're actually fine. We're actually doing better. Do, do you realize when that faith-building experience, That's what, and it's so regular because every time I paid, and it's so close to our hearts, our needs, every time my faith is built like that, if I can trust him when it comes to money and prove it by math, maybe I can trust him in that marriage issue where I know what the word says, but I'm too afraid to actually walk in obedience. Or that thing with my kid. If I can trust him with money, maybe I can trust him in the other big things in my life. Relationships. Obedience. This is holding so many people back. One of the great signs of spiritual maturity in someone's life is faith. And this is one of God's greatest and foremost tools to build our faith. It's one thing to talk about faith, one thing to nod and take notes about faith. It's another thing to actually practice faith. And when, when I'm like, God, I've only got X amount of dollars, and you're saying oh, you want me to give t- 10% and you're going to bless this 90 so that I'll be fine, it's a little scary at first, but then it gets kind of exciting as you watch God work. As you build your faith, I want to challenge you. If you're not walking in this discipline, and a whole lot of people aren't, a whole lot of people are not, I want to tell you real plainly, okay, if you are a part of this church, this is your church, your tithe should be in this church. Because some people wonder, well, well, how does that work? How do I do that? Your tithe should be in this fellowship. We, we never see this example of people just kind of taking their tithe in the New Testament and giving it wherever they wanted. They, they presented it to the leaders of the fellowship, for the needs of the fellowship, and for the ministries of the fellowship. That's how it worked. And I just got to tell you, some people sitting here going, well, I give to this, this, and this, but I, I don't give to any one church. But yet you attend here. And you, you understand, we don't have any funding from anywhere else but right, like right here, right? It, this is our ministry, it's us. There's no kind of great benefactor that's funding all this. This is us. And it's an opportunity for our money to matter. We do all kinds of ministries that reach out to this community. We reach people for Christ. We've we've got a school. We've just got ministries all over this place that are impacting the the people for the kingdom of God. And it's our responsibility. It's our responsibility. And I hear people who sit and go, well, I don't know that I can trust church leaders with my my money. And then they drop their kids off in our nursery. (laughs) That's messed up. Let me just say, if you don't trust us, please don't, if you don't trust us with your money, please don't trust us with your kids. Do you know what that says about you? That's not good. It's not good at all. I just want to say to you, you love this fellowship, you love this ministry, we can't, I can't go write letters to people out in the community and say, fund our church, because they just don't, right? This is our church, and it's our responsibility. If everybody in this fellowship, and I, you know, this is just something, we're, we're really tight right now, and we've grown, we've grown, we have more people, it's wonderful, it's an exciting time, but we're really tight financially. What that means is that while the number of people we're serving and ministering to and reaching is bigger, the number of people giving is not. So I just want to challenge you, if everybody gave the way you give to this fellowship, if everybody practiced the financial stewardship that you're practicing, would this church exist in six months? Would we even be here? Or would we have to close our doors and we could all go find another church to dine and dash on. That was offsides. I shouldn't have said that. <laughs> this financial discipline of stewardship, folks, let, let me just the biggest burden of a pastor's heart. Yeah, it affects the church, but I, I'm just telling you, it is a, we are missing the faith building opportunity. We really are. And our faith will remain small as long as we're afraid. And this is a way to attack it. Jesus said, Don't lay up treasure here on earth where moth and rust destroy, it. lay up treasure in heaven. And this is how you do it, by the way. You can't take it with you, but you can send it ahead kind of thing. We invest in the kingdom. And we train our heart. And last is the physical discipline of service. The physical discipline of service. This is one where when, when you find yourself and one of our biggest challenges in the, in the flesh is selfishness. This is a way to attack selfishness. Just to begin to serve. Just to go and say, I'm going to serve. You can serve a ministry here. You can serve a neighbor up the street. You can serve in the community. But getting outside of self and saying, I'm going to serve, that is a powerful discipline. I promise you, you walk in these four disciplines, you can't help but grow. You will grow. And you will mature as a follower of Christ. You will not stay immature in your faith. See, each of these disciplines impact your thinking. They, They will impact your belief, your behavior, and ultimately your outcomes. See, and that's really where... The rubber meets the road, because maturity has specific outcomes, and you can see them. See, biblical obedience is powerful, and it always yields a harvest. Luke 7, 33 through 35, Jesus said, John the Baptist came neither eating bread nor drinking wine. You say he's got a demon. The Son of Man came, he's talking about himself, came eating and drinking, and you say he's a glutton and a drunkard. A friend of tax collectors and sinners. Listen to verse 35. Some of you need to hear this. This is so true. But wisdom is proved right by all her children. In other words, the outcomes, the fruit of what you do is the proof of our maturity, of our wisdom. It's the law of the harvest. You always reap what you sow. Maturity always yields a particular kind of fruit. Healthy Christians grow up and become more like Jesus. Last thing. Christ-like maturity is rooted in the character we develop You understand that's where it always works. It always goes on the inside. That's what the Holy Spirit's doing. Remember Galatians 5, 22 through 24? But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. Uh, Listen to that. That's character. That's character. You want to be known as a mature person? These are the kind of things that are going to emanate from your character. It says, and those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passion and its desires. Understand how we think and how we behave are critical, but ultimately it is shaping in us a character, and that's what the character looks like. You you want to know a mature follower of Jesus Christ? They're a person who's filled with love. They're a person who's filled with joy. They're peaceful. They're kind. They're gentle. They have faith. That's what a mature follower of Jesus looks like, because that's what Jesus looks like. Healthy Christians grow up and become more like Jesus. It's beyond just what you do to what you become. And I just want to say real quickly, two great aids in developing your character that God gives us. One is community, because nobody's character ever got better in isolation. Okay, Something happens in community. In community, one, I get a chance to exhibit Christ-like character. I get a chance to share that with people. Two, it is stretched and challenged when someone in my community says something stupid and I'm threatened to kind of rise up, and then Jesus says, wait, 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 wait. How about trying gentleness? How about trying kindness? How about self-control? But I'm not good at self-control, Jesus. Yes, well, my spirit is, so I'm going to help build that into you. And another great help to our character is adversity. (laughs) Adversity. If you're walking through a time of adversity, I just want to say good news. God wants to walk with you And he will do unbelievable character development as we trust him and as our faith is built and as we see he is good and faithful, even in the midst of adversity. Healthy Christians grow up and become more like Jesus. So as we close, I want to ask you a question. Where do you need to mature? Where do you need to grow and mature as a follower of Christ? Because everybody's different, you know. Some people are naturally very self-disciplined, and so that's an area where they've got a little head start. Great. Some people are naturally a little more gentle. So they got a head start. Great. But where do you need to grow and mature? Because there are some areas, and you know God's been talking to about them. I want to challenge us to submit ourselves and say, Lord, help me to grow. Help me to grow and become more like Jesus.
1: Thank you, Pastor Sean Azaro. You've been listening to Radio for Real Life. And if you'd like to hear this full message called Grow Up or this whole series, it's available right now on demand when you find that series called A Church for Real Life at reallife.org.